0: Stone Creek, how are you doing? Man, my family and I just moved to Alpharetta two weeks ago. I'm here. I'm not just on your screen, but I'm actually in a real house, really in Alpharetta. Hey, shout out to the Downies, best neighbors ever. They brought me a chocolate cake. Hey, I also like cookies, homemade lasagna, mac and cheese for the kids. If you wanna be a good neighbor and you want me to give you a shout out next time I talk, bring me something. We're in the last talk of a series called Equip. Man, Joe crushed it a couple weeks ago talking about prayer. Trevor encouraged us to re-engage with the Bible, and today I get to talk about the gospel. I better get some amens, and some hearts better be flying in the comment section. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Hey, how many of you guys have a Leatherman tool? Maybe you have it on you today, maybe you have it at home, but... But Tim Leatherman and his wife were traveling through Europe in 1975, and their Fiat 600 kept breaking down. Tim had a Boy Scout knife and a pair of pliers. If only there could be a two-in-one tool. When he returned home, he began to design and map out the idea of a Boy Scout knife with pliers. Mr. Crunch, he would call it. He kept failing. People around him said it wouldn't work. Two years in, and his brother-in-law's garage, on his birthday, Tim broke down. He wanted to give up, sink to the bottom. The ice was crumbling all around him. In year three, he received a patent. Year four, five, and six, everyone still rejected it. Year seven, he almost gave up again. But then a friend joined him. And in year eight, Cabela's bought 500 Mr. Crunches for $12,000. Hey, today, Leatherman employs over 400 people and they've only they've created over 30 models. Hey, what would have happened if Tim gave up? What would have happened to his family, his legacy, the entire world? I mean, the Leatherman tool makes you a man, doesn't it? By the way, I just picked up one at Home Depot on the way here today. I feel like so many of us have given up on things way too easy that are important in our lives. Maybe you you gave up on sports in high school. Maybe you gave up on a dream job. Maybe you gave up on a family member that hurts you, your marriage, your kids. Have you given up on church, Jesus? And and I get it. With so much uncertainty in our world right now, it's so easier to just give up. Hey, we'll just play harder when things go back to normal. The tension in your marriage will just get better when it's less stressful, right? You will fall back in love with Jesus when you can meet back together at the church, you know that you're lying to yourself, right? There's always going to be an excuse. Something will always stand in the middle of your mission. Can I pray for us? Hey, hey Jesus, I pray you'll, you'll intersect with our lives wherever we're at today whether it's in our living rooms, whether it's in our car, whether it's on our phones or laptops or TVs, I pray, Jesus, that you speak just extraordinarily clear into our lives. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Teach us something new, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna be in Acts chapter 16 today. And let me catch you up in the story. In Acts 9, Saul meets Jesus. Saul changes his name to Paul. And he starts doing some things to make Jesus famous. He's going from city to city proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. Sometimes he'd be kicked out of town and sometimes he'd be beaten and bullied out of town. And we catch up with Paul in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are walking around Philippi and a fortune teller woman kept following them and bugging them. Uh, Paul tried to ignore her at first, but the Bible says that he got annoyed and prayed that the evil spirit would leave her. And it did. Hey, so next time you get annoyed, put up with it for just a little while just to see if it goes away and then turn and say, I command you in the name of Jesus, get out of her or him. Let me know how people react to that. So her boss gets really mad and Paul and Silas, because she cannot predict the future anymore, they get whipped, flogged, that's beaten by sticks and thrown into jail. We pick up the story in Acts 16, 25, it says, after midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Are you kidding me? These jokers are bloody. They're tired. They're frustrated. They're shackled in a pit in a dungeon and they're praying and singing worship songs. What are you doing? You've had enough. Do you pray? Do you sing worship songs? Or do you just wither away in your own sorrow and hurt and let it just take over your entire life? Paul and Silas only imagined what stood in store for them. Their savior, Jesus, was flogged and severely beaten just before they hung Jesus up on a cross. Would the same thing happen to them? Their backs were against the wall, like literally against the wall. There was no way of escaping the pain of the fear, death, execution could have only been minutes away and they chose to do something incredible. They chose to pray and sing worship songs. Church, look right at me. What is your song? What is your go-to in times of trouble and affliction? For some reason, anytime I'm fearful or super frustrated, I turn to an old hymn I grew up singing. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy. That's terrible. Tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Before major surgery, I sang the song. When I thought I would lose my job, I sang the song. When I thought telling the full truth would just get me in more trouble, I hummed the song, what is your song? The scripture also says that the prisoners were listening to them, the other prisoners that were around them. The way you respond to situations of fear and doubt are seen by everyone around you. In verse 26, it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake So the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Do you know what's really interesting here? We we don't see the exact words of Paul's prayer, but did they pray for an earthquake? Did they pray for God to release them? I don't think they prayed that. I, I think they just prayed that, hey, Jesus, I wanna make you famous. They were cut up. Their backs were against the wall. They they turned their thoughts away from themselves to Jesus and the other people around them. And in verse 27, it says, when the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. The jailer was sleeping. He failed at his one job. He, He was gonna get made fun of. He felt worthless. He was a failure. Everyone was gonna just look at him and shake their head in disbelief, thinking how stupid he was. It was over for him. He had one job, and he failed. He would have always been known as a failure. He probably took out his own sword, stuck the tip to his stomach, took a deep breath, his thoughts and emotions running wild. It was hard for him to distinguish what was true and what was a lie. But he knew that he would have the consequences of his actions, If this jailer didn't kill himself, he would be punished for the mistake that he made. Roman law stated that if a guard allowed prisoners to escape under the watch, the guard would then be given the punishment of the inmate. His consequence? Death. Wouldn't it just be easier for him and everyone else just to take his own life? But somebody sees him. Your boy Paul? (laughs) He hadn't escaped In verse 28, it says, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Paul rushed in when the jailer just had seconds to live. Paul had to have shouted, man, don't harm yourself. Put the sword down, drop the pills, throw the bullet away. Church, are you bold enough to mess up someone else's life? Are you intentional about looking for the ones around you that are hurting, that have scars on their arms, who won't look you in the eye, who seem sad every day? What would it look like for you to look them in the eyes with sincerity and compassion and beg them? Hey man, man, don't do that. Paul and Silas and the rest of the prisoners could have escaped, but that wasn't their mission. Their prayer and their mission was to make Jesus famous. Before the jail or suicidal attempt, he knew Paul and Silas had a relationship with Jesus. Church, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're not praying for Jesus to help you make his name famous, if you're not affirming and praising Jesus for all that he's done for you, people aren't going to do anything when you ask them to follow him. Why would they? They may not believe that you believe in the love of Jesus. The jailer, trembling in fear because he thought he'd be dead by now, fell at the feet of Paul and Silas and he says this in verse 30. Sirs, men, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. You might be exactly where the jailer is today everything might be falling apart around you. You're frustrated. You're down and out. You want to just give up. Are you there? Are you able to ask the bold question? And how does Jesus save me? Hey, believe in the Jesus we preach about every week. Fall into the arms of the Jesus we sing to every week. Believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Paul and Silas then asked the jailer to take him to his family. Paul and Silas told the jailer's wife and his kids about Jesus. Their whole family turned to Jesus. He and his whole family were baptized. Man, if you know of someone who is far from Jesus, he wants you to tell them about Jesus' love. But Jesus also wants you to tell their family. And the jailer responds in verse 33. It says, and he took them the same hour of the night, and they the jailer washed Paul and Silas' wounds, and he was baptized as at once he and his entire family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household. Paul and Silas had every excuse to wither away in their own misery; they had every excuse to take their own life. But Paul and Silas they had hope; they weren't done with their mission. They weren't done making Jesus famous at their lowest of lows. They prayed to Jesus and sang worship songs. The the jailer had the sword to his stomach. He didn't want to face the consequences of his mistakes, but Paul and Silas jumped in. Question, what would have happened if the jailer would have taken his own life? his entire family would have spent eternity in hell because they never knew or understood the love of Jesus. Look right at me. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to. Jesus died so we would have life. Jesus died so we could have hope. Jesus took all of your shame. Jesus took all of your fear. Jesus took all of your anger. Jesus understands betrayal. Jesus bore it all. I get it still hurts, but hold on. Jesus wants to do something incredible through you. He wants to use you like he uses Paul, like he used Silas, like he used the jailer. And by the way, since none of the prisoners escaped the jailer, didn't have any consequences, then Paul and Silas' verdict was overturned. Hold on tight. You never know when the tide will turn for you as well. Years ago, Luke's parents, Larry and Chrissy, were heading back to their cottage across a frozen lake in Nova Scotia, Canada. Larry had a fear of ice. He had made the trip dozens of times, but this time something just didn't feel right. You know the feeling, don't you? Everything looks okay. Everything seems okay, but... Your stomach begins to turn in knots and your throat begins to dry and your heart begins to beat a little faster. Your palms begin to sweat. He stopped his truck, not trusting the frozen ice in front of him. And he could see the tracks of other vehicles stretching across the lake, but but he didn't want to take the chance this time. He unloaded his four-wheeler and assumed if heavier cars could go across the lake, his four-wheeler could. With Chrissy strapped on behind They slowly made their way across the lake. About halfway there, the ice cracked and they plummeted in the frigid water. The four-wheeler sunk to the bottom. Larry and Chrissy quickly swam to the edge of the ice, but every time they tried to pull themselves up, the ice cracked and they splashed back in the water. 10 minutes went by. They were literally beginning to freeze to death when Larry swam over to Chrissy kissed her, and told her goodbye, knowing what the future would hold. They wanted to give up. They had lost all hope. They were cold, frustrated, fighting hard, but in the midst of the fight, Larry forgot he had a Leatherman tool in his back pocket, his hands shaking. He reached into his pocket, and he grabbed the Leatherman tool, and he stabbed it into the ice in front of him and pulled his frigid body out of the water. Using the tool as an anchor, he was able to pull Chrissy out as well. What if Tim Leatherman would have surrendered 30 years ago? What if Tim would have surrendered to the idea, to the belief, to this mission of the Leatherman tool? Larry and Chrissy would not be alive today. What if Paul would have been given up? What if Paul would have given up on his mission to pursue Jesus, to make Jesus famous, to spread the gospel? Have you lost focus on your dream? Have you lost focus on making Jesus famous? Maybe people have rejected you. Maybe people have given up on you. Maybe people have given up on your faith and your Jesus, but don't give up. Share the gospel. Share about the love that that Jesus has given you. Share about the comfort of Jesus in the midst of uncertainty and pain. Share about the the friend Jesus has been to you, the the hope that he gives you, the, the life that he's breathed into your lungs. If you give up sharing the gospel, people will die around you not knowing it. Church, I, 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 I get this is hard. I get this is difficult. I get this is confrontational. We just moved to Alpharetta two weeks ago. And two weeks before we moved, we, we invited our, our, the, the people that bought our house back in Kennesaw over to a cul-de-sac cookout to meet some of the neighbors. We're all hanging out. We're talking. Ashley and I, my wife, we walk up to the couple to, to our house. We kind of give them another tour of the house. We begin to ask questions. And of course they asked me, so Ryan, what do you do? So well, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. And they shook their head. And, and my wife made this statement. It's probably the most bold statement statement, the most bold question I've ever heard her ask in her life. This couple just asked, Ryan, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And my wife Ashley goes, hey, do you guys believe in Jesus? My mouth dropped. I felt a little insecure. <laughs> what, what, what did you just say? You went there? <laughs> you, just, you just went there? And both people, yeah, yeah we, we believe in Jesus. Oh, great. Yeah, cool. Awesome. We believe in Jesus too, but as we were going to bed that night, I looked at Ashley and I was like, man, that encouraged me because I don't know the last time I've asked somebody straight in their eyes, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Hey, church, do you believe in Jesus? Hey, young man, hey, young woman, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, do you believe And Jesus, answer it. I think so often in our lives, we try to build relationships with people earning the right, trying to earn the right to share the gospel. And we build this relationship and we wait for the perfect timing. But the reality of timing in life is there's never a great timing. There's never a moment that will pose themselves so brilliantly and Jesus and the Holy Spirit like kick you in the rear and you kind of fumble in on the scene and go, hey, Let's talk about Jesus now. Like that's never just going to happen. It's got to be planned. It's got to be purposeful. Paul and Silas, they had to have walked into prison knowing that no matter what situation, no matter what temptation, no matter what environment I'm in, man, I am going to make Jesus famous. They could have ran past the jailer. They were free, but they stopped. And I get it, Ryan, I'm not in jail. Well, you might be, <laughs> hey guys. No, but, but you, you're probably not in jail, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of, of trying to just fend for ourselves, trying not to get a, a virus, trying to just keep our jobs and keep our sanity and keep our kids in check. And we're forgetting about the people all around us. Church, what would it look like for you to be intentional, to share the gospel, and to be intentional, you've got to understand your surroundings. Paul and Silas knew. Other jailers were around. Paul and Silas knew that there was a man that was in charge of them all. They were aware of all these situations as they began to pray and sing worship songs. Like I said, we just moved into our new house, and there's a couple across the street I know because I love neighboring and I want to be aware of my neighbors that they come out every night at seven o'clock. That's inconvenient for me. I have three kids, five and under. We're starting bedtime at seven o'clock. But but what would happen if I became intentional about them and their family and because they came outside and played in the cul-de-sac at seven, me and my wife and our kids came out And play it at seven? With, knowing, with with intentionality, that no matter what I do, I'm going to tell them about the good news of Jesus. And, and, And here, here it is, church. We were dead. We were alone. We were disconnected from God. Adam and Eve, they messed it up. And for years, <coughs> people kept trying to find relationship back to God. And finally, God said, hey, I'm going I'm to deliver Jesus, God, in human form on this earth. And he's going to be with you. He's going to hang out with you. He's going to eat with you and walk with you. And, and Jesus began to, to walk the earth for 30 years. And for, for three years, he began to do ministry and heal and kind of make a scene around him. And then, then, then they began to beat him. And they begin to hang him on a cross and Jesus, knowing that there had to be bloodshed for our sin, for our wrongdoing, Jesus climbed up on a cross and he died for us. So you and I could have hope. So you and I could have peace. So you and I could have relationship with God. That's the good news. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter about the crazy relationships in your life. It doesn't matter about the unemployment. It doesn't matter about how much food's in the pantry. There's hope in this man and this God named Jesus who restored it all for us. Now, now if you were the jailer, the jailer would go, what do I need to do to be saved? (laughs) I hear the good news. I hear the worship songs. I hear the prayer. What must I do? Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Church, you want to do it? Are you ready? Are you ready to receive the gospel? Will you just just repeat this prayer after me? Jesus, I I know I'm a bad person. I know I'm unworthy of of relationship, but, but Jesus, thank you so much for believing in me and loving me and pursuing me. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. And I pray, Jesus, that I give you full control of my life. Hey, if if you did that, if you prayed that prayer or some kind of version of that prayer, you just received the gospel. You you just received a, a savior, a person, a God in the name of Jesus. And just to mark the moment, what we want to do, it's weird, you're at home, there's family around, you're at a watch party. If that was you for the first time, I just want you to raise your hand. If it's you online, just put a hand-raise emoji in the comment section. Just type in, I raised my hand. I made a decision. I believe in Jesus. I want Jesus. And one of us, one of our pastors will get in contact with you this week. Church, I pray that we don't give up on the mission of telling people about the good news of Jesus. Because if we give up on the mission, the whole entire world, our whole entire society, our whole entire culture will suffer. Let's pray. Jesus, I I pray. I pray, Jesus, that you'll you'll give us hope. I pray, Jesus, that you'll give us boldness. I pray, Jesus, that You give us inspiration. I pray, Jesus, you give us a different lens to look through this week. I pray, Jesus, you'll help us rub shoulders or see people that we haven't spoken to, that we don't know. I pray, Jesus, that we can ask our dads, our moms, our friends. Hey, do you know Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? I pray, Jesus, we'll be bold. And I pray, now when people go, like the jailer, what do I need to do to be saved. We simply say, Jesus, believe in Jesus. Believe in the hope that he brings. Believe that he is the God of the entire world in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.